More must-know tips for your decor. Hi, this is Anita Joyce here with Kelly Wilkness, and this is Decorating Tips and Tricks, Episode 405, Must-Know Decor Tips, Part 2. We had so much fun with the last episode coming up with our must-know tips that uh, we felt like it really deserved a Part 2. Oh, indeed. And oftentimes the Part 2, you know, like is not as great as the Part 1, but I think this one might even be better than Mm -hmm. the Part 1. We've dug deeper and we have really great tips and they will sort of all come together and fit together for your decorating arsenal. So if you listen to part one, definitely dig into part two. And if you're just joining us now, uh, go back and listen to part one. Okay. Were you ready to dive yeah, in? Yeah, you go first. Okay. Uh, so this is uh, something to think about, and it's been an issue for me in the past, and that is to make sure your furniture is scaled properly for your room. I've had situations where I felt like this our furniture I had was maybe too big for a room or too small. So if you have cathedral ceilings, you're going to want to make sure that you don't just have small furniture in the room. Uh, you're going to want to make sure it's sized for the space. And, and even with each other, make sure everything's scaled properly with other things in the room. So for example, I had a situation where I have a very tall chest behind my sofa. It's 38 inches tall, which is the height of the back of the sofa. That's a tall sofa, FYI. Uh, so it's a massive chest, really. And I put some chairs on either side because I had that when I had a sofa table back there. With this large chest, the chairs started to look like little tiny children's furniture. And it really looked odd, but I left them there for a while because Kevin had just said, I really need a chair there. Well, I took them out because I just was not working. And I ended up having an extra counter stool for the island. I have four chairs there, but they it's kind of snug. So I took one out, put it by the chest, and it's a little taller than the chest, and it works great. And I cannot tell you how much better that feels than those small chairs next to the chest. So definitely you know, check your size for the room. Yeah. And that segues to one of my tips. Um, mm-hmm. Scale your furniture to your sofa, you know, in a family mm-hmm. room or a living room, you know, any place where you have a sofa, that's the biggest piece. So if your sofa is tall, like Anita's saying, or something, it's a larger oversized, then you don't want to have little dinky chairs. You want to have um, other pieces that will complement the size and the mass of the sofa. You know, and that's interesting you say that because even at our at our farm, I have a daybed that I use as a sofa and it's kind of has delicate legs, but it's big. And I had some delicate French chairs in there that were had, you know, that, that were legs. They were like Louis Fifteenth chairs. And so very airy underneath, leggy. It just wasn't working. And I was trying to go with light uh, small scale chairs because the space wasn't that big. But with that day bed acting as a sofa, the chairs just look too dinky. When I finally put some club chairs in there, it works. So I've, I've had that situation too. Oh, I, you know, I have been in that space and I have slept on that day bed and I, and I have <laughs> I sat on those chairs and I was even allowed to sit on those chairs with red wine, which I learned later oh. on was not something everyone's allowed to do. So I felt oh, stop. Well, I felt really honored and trusted, <laughs> which made me feel really comfortable. Um, no, I could see in that space smaller chairs, and I would get where you were going with that, Anita, because you know it's mm-hmm. not a giant, giant room with giant, giant high right. ceilings. It's, so you would say maybe exactly. something with some legs and something a little lighter visually. But no, though the chairs that you have in there really work well. And they're those chairs are substantial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're comfortable too. In fact, when I would take a picture of the room, it looked like doll furniture. Mm-hmm. There was something about it. It just looked off. So, I mean, they're really, you. but they the chairs I had, they, they matched that sofa love seat so perfectly but just because something matches doesn't mean it's working that's a bonus tip right there yeah yeah you gotta look at the whole whole picture there okay on to my moving on yeah next tip 
Kelly, have you ever looked at your room and felt like something was off? Like you weren't sure? Uh, you weren't sure? Yeah. But you thought maybe. My living room for three and a half years. <laughs> I kept looking at it and saying, I know something's wrong here and I'm not uh-huh. sure how to fix it. Exactly. And it's kind of like the book, Madeline, where she goes, something is not right. Oh, yes. Miss yes. uh, so, Clavel, something is not right. Yes, yes. <laughs> so um, when you have that feeling like something's not right, guess what? You're, you're right. <laughs> you are right. Well, and there's a reason why we say it, where we kind of say, I'm not sure rather than it's not working. And that's because maybe we just bought something that's kind of expensive, or maybe we just made our husband move something very heavy down the stairs or up the stairs. And now we realize it's not working or we have to return something. So, you know, there's, we have a vested interest in making whatever is work the way it is. So it's hard to accept that. So that's when we kind of think, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. But the thing is, if you have that nagging feeling, you're not wrong. Don't ignore that feeling. And we've all done it because it's just, you're vested in whatever the status quo is. But if you have that feeling, there's a reason for it. That is your intuition telling you it is not working. So if yeah. you have that feeling, just know it's it's not working. Yeah. Trust yourself. And mm-hmm. if you- Trust yourself. There mm-hmm. you go. Right there. Right. And if, you, and if you're not ready to completely trust yourself- Email us <laughs> and we'll tell you you're right mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. Because if you're feeling it, you're, I think that is really, really good advice. Here's some more good advice. Do your homework before buying antiques. Uh, we've discussed now it's a great time to buy antiques, um, but the tide is turning. So, you know, that, that window of great buys and opportunities may be closing because people are starting to recognize that these, these old world pieces, particularly the brown ones, are really beautiful and they're going to be start snapping them up again. But just because it's in an antique store that has a nice storefront and, you know, gives out nice bags and tissue paper and stuff like that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that the piece is worth what they're asking. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can do better at estate sales or flea markets or eBay or Etsy. So look around. I mean, certainly if on a, a, a day trip or a weekend trip with your girlfriends and you're all in the cute little town and you're buying antiques and you see something you love, well, you know what? If you paid a little bit more for it, so be it. It's part of the experience. But if you're really out looking for certain things or adding to your collection, do your homework. Know what it is valued at on the broader market before you start laying down your own hard-earned cash for it. Right. And we're really talking about your particular area. And because sometimes people ask me, well, what should I be paying for you know, some item? And it really is very specific to your area. And for example, Texas just has always had some of the best prices on antiques, whereas in other states, they would go for a lot more. So it really, you really need to know the market in your area. So keep that in mind. Yeah, that that's a good ancillary tip too. Yeah, definitely geographically. Right. So if you have a room that is dark or is has uneven light, let's say a lot of light from one side, no windows on the other side, uh, a big tip is to put in mirrors on the wall that has no light on it. And we're not talking about little tiny one foot by one foot windows. I mean, oversized mirrors that look like windows that kind of operate like windows. So we're really talking about big, big mirrors. And we're really talking about those mirrors that uh, sometimes they have an arch at the top and they have uh, facets to them. They have, um, you know, they're broken into sections so that they kind of look like a window. Those are going to really help even the light or just bring some light into the room. I love mirrors. Um, Okay, so I'll jump around then to stay on the mirrors. Put a mirror in your entryway. If you don't have one there, there are so many good reasons, uh, not just, you know, checking your look before you dash out the door. It also will bounce some light around. If you have a door with some glass on it, the light will come in. 
If you don't have a door with any glass and it's a solid door, it will help bring some additional light and some reflection into the area. It's just a perfect place to have a mirror. And I, I think I've said before, I love a mirror almost in every single room in the house. I think it has a place uh, in every room. I even have a mirror in my kitchen. Um, and it's not you know, for gazing out. It's for moving the light around. Mm-hmm. And I think that the entryway is a perfect place to do that. I think that's a great tip. And I do love mirrors. And there's so many beautiful ones. What a great way to add some style in your personality to the room. Pick out a mirror that appeals to you because they're all so very different, have such different personalities. Now, another, when we were talking about knowing something isn't right, let's move on to paint because this is where you can really go wrong and you can go wrong fast. And I've done it. So the tip is use samples. Don't go ahead and buy paint for an entire room without making sure that that is the correct paint for that room. So you want to have some samples. You want to buy some paint samples and try those out on the room or go with Kelly's uh, tip, which is to use that sampleize company. And those are samples of your paint color. And they're basically was like one foot by one foot and they're removable, they're repositionable Mm -hmm. wallpaper basically. So you can put them on your wall or your round and and see if you like them. Yeah, no, that's great. And we had somebody email us recently that they had purchased those. So I Mm -hmm. think uh, that's a really good tip. Choose a simple tile backsplash. I was just with a dear friend yesterday and she was asking me what could she do about her tile backsplash. She's had subway, but in between the subway, she put sort of a Mediterranean, she has a Mediterranean home, she put Mediterranean looking tiles and she really doesn't want them there anymore. She's feeling Mm. like it's dating the kitchen. She's like, remember when I did my kitchen? The girls were in kindergarten. And first of all, I couldn't believe it. it was that long ago. But here it is. She used Subway. And then, so that's rectangle. And then she has these square decorative tiles. It's going to be really hard. Are they to, mixed in? I'm not. They're following. mixed in. Oh, right. So wow. however the tile design was. So, you know, my advice to her is, of course, you can do it. But you're going to have to find a square tile that mm. either matches the Subway or is in another neutral or maybe like a crackled version of your white, just something that's going to bring neutrality to the background. So, you know, it's a couple of tiles. She might even be able to paint them. Um, You know, we, uh, you know, we've discussed that and a lot of our listeners have actually done that, you know, completely painted their backsplash to great success. So that's something you can do. But if you're doing a kitchen now, or you're thinking about doing a kitchen later, try to, to stay away from being swayed into some sort of colorful decorative tile. I was just at a tile store the other day and I was, my head was spinning with all the beautiful tiles. And I even brought home some tile samples. Like I was thinking, why am I even bringing these home? But I, I got so swept up in the moment. I got some for a client and I was like, I'm going to get these for me. Maybe I'll do something with these. They're beautiful, but it's something you're going to have to live with for a long time if it's the backsplash of your kitchen or if it's in your bathroom. So think long and hard about how you can add the interest or the pops of color that you want in accessories and other ways other than putting in permanent tiling. Mm, good point. And I remember when, uh, yeah, several years ago, I was picking out tile. Well, it was a long time ago. And my friend was saying, oh, I would go with these hand-painted Portuguese tiles. And I remember at the time thinking, I like them, but I remember thinking, I just don't think I'm going to like those down the road. And yeah. So, yeah. So you really, the simpler is the better. And remember when everyone had that backsplash behind the stove and it was a mural, basically, or oh, a yeah. different tiles there. And I balked at that when we built this house. I said, no, 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 I don't want anything back there. And I mean, my builder looked at me like I had grown a horn or something. But now that's kind of the thing people are doing. So, right. Right. So, yes, yeah, no keep- one's doing that anymore. It's so true. And the, the tiles now that are very, very popular, they're like, they're not all of them, but the the actual process of, I think it's, you say, caustic tiles, but they look, they're large patterns, if you will, lots of times just in white or black or gray and white and black. Um, 
you know what I'm talking about? That's like a yes, swirly yes. pattern mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you see them everywhere. It's going to be so, oh, you did your kitchen in 2018 or your bathroom in 2018 any second now. Oh, I know. I just, when I see that as a backsplash, it kind of makes me sad because I think you're really going to regret that um, probably about five years from now. Exactly. Just about five years. You're absolutely right. Cause you're going to like, Oh, that's really pretty. And then all of a sudden it's gonna be like, Oh, it's so dated. It's not that I don't like them, but I just don't think they have the, that has a staying power. It doesn't. It doesn't. I was tempted and I, I, I actually found a little pile of them that I have taken from a, you know, maybe I'd bought a one off or they gave me samples at a tile store when we were doing this house. And I put felt on the back of them and I've made them trivets. <laughs> like that, that's how you do it. Exactly. Yeah. That's how to enjoy it. Or buy a tray that has them on there or be crafty and make a tray Mm -hmm. yourself with those tiles. Exactly. So um, speaking of trendy tiles, that's my next tip. Okay. Is not to put a lot of money into trendy things, to invest money in investment pieces. Uh, Because those trendy things, if it's trendy, it's not going to be in style forever. And at some point, it's going to look like it's not in style anymore and you're probably going to want to get rid of it. So, uh, yeah. So just really invest in those investment pieces. Remember the deconstructed, uh, furniture that was out for a while. Oh yes. I really wanted a sofa or a chair out of that so badly. And I waited, I held my hand down rather than ordering (laughs) waited a couple of years on and your then I know. And now I'm so glad I did because they weren't cheap. No, they weren't cheap. And you know, if someone didn't get that look, they'd be like, uh, so, you know, did you just pull that out of the attic? Are you getting that reupholstered or the people that would get it? Tick, tick, tick. Five years later, you're like, oh, wow. Yes. So dated, so done. And you know what? So in a sense, trying too hard. <laughs> you know, and you are yeah. not a person that I would ever say trying too hard, but I could see being tempted by that. I liked them too, but um, I was more tempted by, and this was many years ago, those sofas that were done in all different fabrics, you know, like oh. it'd be the cabbage rose on the back. Oh, I wanted that. Oh, oh I wanted that too, but I didn't end up doing it, but they I were, wanted it. Yeah. They were all like ten and $12,000 couches, which is probably the only thing that really stopped me. It saved us both, didn't it? Yes. In so many ways. Saved and saved. Okay, what did I... This one. Use furniture placement to designate and delineate spaces. You know, on the same line as don't have all your furniture pushed up against the wall. Hey, you can, especially if you are somebody living in an open concept uh, space, you can really section it off in such a smart way, uh, creating easy passages and just nice flow in your house by using your furnishings as uh, delineators of the space. You know, a rug helps a lot in doing that as well. But even if you're not using rugs, you know, put your sofa and have the back facing uh, the open concept kitchen and maybe put a console table behind it. So educate your family, your guests, the people living in the house as how to use the space by the way you place the furniture. Well, that's actually what I was talking about, about that chest behind my sofa. That's the kitchen is behind the sofa. And so that is exactly what we did. I didn't want people sitting in the kitchen to feel like they're facing the back of the living room. And that's why I put the chest facing the kitchen. So you don't feel like you're, you know, in the back of the room. Yeah. So I think that absolutely you can, if it's, and if it's a really large space, you really have to do that. You can't have one large seating area in some of these massive rooms. Yes, so true. And then what a fun opportunity to have more than one seating area. Exactly. So, okay. So my next tip is, oh, did you want to go on about that one? No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, The next tip is using something in an unexpected way. And this is something that I've always thoroughly enjoyed doing because it's a creative, fun way to repurpose something. So when I repurpose things, I like to do it in a way that it wasn't originally intended for. So for example, I have a champagne bucket in my bathroom and I have draped our hand towel over the bucket and that's kind of our towel rack. So that's kind of an example. And then there's a big basket. I think it's, I don't remember what I have. I think it's an oyster basket I have by the tub and then I've rolled up towels in there. It was obviously not meant for towels originally. A ladder that I have 
towels hanging on in another room. And then I used a garden post as my newel post for my stairs. And then like uh, we took beadboard that used to be in an old house. It's antique beadboard that was painted green and blue and I, I think white uh, or gray. And then I used that for my ceiling uh, on my porches at my house. So there's so many fun ways you can take old elements and repurpose them in a new fun way. Oh, you're speaking my love language doing that. I, and I had the opportunity to do so much of that with this house because of so many uh, sort of weird and interesting and really lovely things it's that fun. were left behind. Oh, yeah. I just think, how can I make that, give that new life? Um, one that just comes to mind because I was just cleaning it uh, <laughs> over the weekend. My porch was so dirty. And so I cleaned that all up. And one thing I did out there is uh, I have a lamp. Uh, and so I didn't want a fabric shade or anything like that. So I had this little odd little wiry sort of bucket or pail and somebody who visited told me it was a it's a scalloping bucket because it's just wire and so I guess you Mm -hmm. would collect scallops in it and you know let it drain out but I made it the lampshade which was super easy because all I did was like push the screw part of the finial up through the wire and then put Mm -hmm. the finial on it done you know, oh, how it fun. Was, it was barely a DIY. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. I love that. Oh, I've seen those. And they're really, and I've even seen those put over little chandeliers, the baskets over the chandeliers, the wire baskets. I think oh. it's kind of a fun. Yeah. 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 You know. I have it over. Just, I mean, it's just like an old home goods lamp base with a Edison bulb in it, but it really is interesting. It makes the whole thing a lot more interesting. Plus it can stay outside. Okay. What do I have next? Go dark in dim places. This is me talking to myself again because I really (laughs) want to paint my bedroom candle charcoal and I keep getting a little nervous about doing it. It, I think it's just a really, it's very pleasing, particularly in a bedroom or in a study or sort of a room that's off to itself. And why fight it? It's like, you know, fighting your bangs or fighting your part. Like it's just never going to work out. (laughs) You know, it's going to do what it wants to do anyway. Um, I have this weird not center of my head, not side part, and that's just where my hair does it. And so I've given up fighting with it and for many years ago and that's just what it is so I think I'm going to give up the fact that my master bedroom is dark except for like 20 minutes at around 3 p.m. during daylight savings time and then maybe 4 p.m. or 2 p.m. the other times of the year but very brief period of time when I'm barely in there um so why not make it dark and just really embrace that so if you have a north facing room or a room that just doesn't have a lot of windows or small windows or you need to have the uh, window coverings uh, pulled because of privacy needs or whatnot try a dark moody color there's so many great ones out there now that are really popular those navies are so yummy and the dark dark greens and i of course love the grays so give it a whirl well and i think you a corollary to what you're saying is don't try to make your house something it isn't so you're talking specifically about a dark room if it's really dark it's just dark and you just need to embrace that but so many other things about our houses i think sometimes we're fighting what it is naturally and we spend so much effort fighting it when you know there is a way to embrace it and appreciate our houses for what they are and just to kind of celebrate their uniqueness so i mean that's kind of a an approach that you can take about so much more than just a dark room Yeah. Yeah. Good overall tip. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my next one is, and this one is probably more for me than anyone, because, you know, I love my little French chairs. I love, love, love them. But make sure your seating is comfortable, not just pretty. (laughs) Am I just talking to myself? I'm probably the only one that does this. No, 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 no. I actually, I was just, I was reading something, Bunny Williams, uh, somebody interviewed her, like who hasn't interviewed her, but uh, Mm -hmm. she was, she's like, and I have these little chairs that I just love, love, love. And I I put them on the other side of my fireplace because they are really not comfortable. And I really don't want anyone to sit on them anyway. <laughs> so Well, yeah. I still I still have some chairs that are two hundred year olds two hundred year old hand painted federal chairs. They're those green ones that I've talked about. I still haven't fixed them. So you really can't not only are they would they not be comfortable, the the seat would probably break if you sat on them. So when I had some people over recently, I had like trays and bottles on them like please don't sit here because yeah, I don't want like, anyone falling exactly. through. Exactly. If you're not Thomas Jefferson, you're not allowed to sit <laughs> on that chair. If you're not writing the d- yeah. <laughs> if you weigh over 80 pounds, probably not the chair for you, yeah, which exactly. is like all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No. Oh, gosh. Well, those are real antiques, so you have to be careful with those. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to fix them up, but yeah. Don't you just love a great recommendation from a friend? Well, we're delighted to be recommending these companies and their wonderful products to you today. And let them know your friends at DTT sent you. Big enough rug. Oh, yeah. Said it before, worth saying again. We have a whole rug episode, which we can link in the show notes here. A really important. If you if you can only go dinky for whatever reason or a small size, get, just don't even have it. Don't have a rug. I have the this pet issue now. Where I, so I just rolled them up and I'm just going to be like this for a little while. I am probably going to try the ruggables, which are those washable rugs. I'm exploring some other pet alternatives. So, you know, I'm, so I just rolled them up and uh, one I threw away. Uh, but when I replace them, I'm going to have a rug that is big enough for uh, my rooms. And mm-hmm. even though my room is very odd shape, that's also a holdback in my living room. What about uh, indoor, outdoor? Is there some type of rug where you could buy where you could take it out and hose it down? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, you know, that's like, a, you know, okay. my, my oh, pet Oh, the issue. are that way. Yeah, right, yeah. right. They'll, they're washable, but the other ones, the indoor, outdoor ones. But the real tip here is, uh, you know, big enough. Uh, if you're talking about your dining room, you want to be able to have someone pull the chair out mm-hmm. and the chair still be on the rug. Yes, true. All the legs of it. Uh, you don't want your sofa and your flanking chairs uh, to be hanging on by their toenails, so to speak. They need to be, you know, at least halfway on, maybe more, particularly if you're seeing the other side of the rug. You know, if it's against the wall, you can kind of get away with it not going all the way. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like you'll know big enough when you see it, but you're definitely going to know too small when you see it as well. Mm-hmm. So go for the bigger rug. Mm. How about this tip when you are, but I, listen, back to the rugs though. Yeah. That is such a problem if you go with rugs that are too small. It really can change the look of the room. It feels, it just doesn't feel luxurious. Right. So I think that's very important. And oh, okay. just, let's just mm-hmm. take that one step further because we have talked, um, not so much recently, but in the past, a lot about layering rugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're going to layer rugs, are you currently layering rugs? You still want to have substantial sized rugs to layer. Uh, you, you know, when the, if you have a big size all, you don't want to put a really small rug on top of it. You, that, the next rug has to be big enough. Or if they're sort of, um, overlapping and maybe going through a long room, they can't be just little bath mat type rugs. They need to be big as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. layering doesn't give you the license to go smaller. Mm, I guess what I'm saying, right? Yes, yes. Well, well said. I think that's a good point. Another tip is to mix modern items with antiques. I think uh, sometimes when we (laughs) go all one way or the other, it ends up feeling very stiff and just it isn't its best. I mean, just it's kind of like too much of the same thing can be boring. So I think this is such a great way to add a fresh, modern feel to your room while embracing the past, too. So I think it's a great look to have both. And, you know, gone are the days where you really just have antiques or you just have modern. I think it just works so well to have both in a room. Yeah. And you know what's really fun? Paint the inside of a closet. Such a fun weekend project. Really? <laughs> it doesn't it, sound fun to me. Oh, it's come on, Anita. It's fun. Don't don't tell everyone it's not fun. It's fun. Okay. No, first of all, you get to purge your closet, which is really fun. Well, I do like that. Take the stuff out of there, pare it down, and then pick a really fun color. I did this in my other house. I painted the uh, coat closet, which was super small, but it, I painted it this sunflowery yellow, and it was just so fun every time you opened it to get oh. a coat or umbrella. I mean, I don't know why I had the time to do that. I guess it was before I had a podcast and a blog and a friend named Anita. So. When did you have this kind of time? That's what I want to know. I don't no, that was many years ago, but I really enjoyed it. And um, here we don't really have a coat closet, but if I did, I would 
I would also mm-hmm. paint it. So that's a fun way to bring in your pop color in a surprising way. And it's kind of just like a little secret for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people mm-hmm. are going to go get a coat out of your closet that isn't somebody in your family? Mm-hmm. I just think it's fun. And as particularly if it's a closet where maybe your kids are putting their backpacks and stuff like that, you know, I'm sure they're not going to be like, wow, mom, everything's gotten so much better since you painted the inside of the closet <laughs> turquoise. But, you know, it is fun. Oh, yeah. But be careful because I've had painters come paint closets and then later, much later, you find that top and it's got paint on it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. That would be bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, if the room, if the closet was small enough, I would be into that. There's a really good tip you might not have thought of. Take all the stuff out first. Yeah, you should. Of course. course. Yeah, of course you should. Don't paint around your clothes. That's the point. That stuff should have been taken out. Exactly. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. So we talked about mixing modern things with antiques. Here's another mix I think that really works. And that is mixing budget things with expensive things. And if you have some expensive heirloom pieces or some quality investment pieces in the room, that really is going to be what people are going to notice. And you can get away with putting some budget things in there, but people won't read the room. It won't be read as a budget room. They will get the feel of it being a luxury room because of the luxury things in the room or or the investment pieces. So you don't have to spend a lot of money on everything. So these are the kind of things too, I like to have a lot of bang for my buck. So I kind of look at the item and say, is this something that there's a cheaper version of that looks just as good? And if there is, I'll go for the cheaper thing. If there really isn't, then then that's the thing that I feel like, okay, that's going to be my investment piece. Love it. If you have a small space, how about furnishing it with some white furniture, glass tables, lucite, things with low visual noise. It's That's going to make a small room feel a whole lot bigger. We've done this to to really great success in my daughter's um, extra room, like her lounge, Laura's lounge upstairs. It's a small space. It sounds like a bar. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't have any ID yet. No, it's much much too young for that yet. So I, I, uh, have wood planking on the walls. It's a real low ceiling. It's this weird little room uh, that may have been added. It's kind of over the kitchen. I don't know at what point between 1886 and when we moved in, uh, this room was added, but it seemed like it was not, not in the original plan. So it's kind of an odd little room and you step down into it. So we've done all white with pops of pink and use lucite, very narrow lucite coffee table. Um, I painted some, my little orphan side tables white. She's got a white crate and barrel uh, sleeper sofa, like a love seat one that pulls out. And then we did this really cool uh, low bookshelf where she can have her, I, I uh, there's a shelf in the bottom where I got white baskets so she can have her different subjects with her textbooks and her notebooks in there. And then she has her TV sitting on that. And again, it's all white. There's some silver uh, trim, some kind of chrome trimming. And what a difference because when we first moved into the house, that room kind of just got the extra furniture and it was a lot of brown stuff in there. And it just, it did nothing for the room and she didn't like it. And it just made the room feel so crowded. Um, so what a difference. Even the, some of the little brown pieces that were in there got a coat of white and went back in and it completely changed the space. Mm. Oh, yes. Great idea. Okay. Plants. Add plants to your house. I just think even if they, even if you have a brown thumb and they're not going to live that long, uh, they're still going to add this outdoor feeling to the house, especially during this time of the year where it's kind of brown outside and cold. It's so nice to have some fresh green plants inside. So I think it's well worth it. And uh, I'm just thoroughly enjoying my grape hyacinth bulbs that I have blooming right now and a few other things that I have inside right now. They're just so wonderful to have. Okay. Heard it before. You're going to hear it again. Edit, edit, edit. Mm. If it's meh, don't even, you don't have to go to joy. If it's meh, just get rid of it. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to make you do cartwheels to keep it. Just like, eh, do I really even like this? No, let it go. Get rid of it. It's okay. Yeah, do not focus on what you paid for it. That's not what it's about. Right. If you're not enjoying it and you don't need it, eh, it's time to move it on. Right. Or what somebody else paid for it. 
Yeah, maybe. Well, sell some things. I think that's a great idea. Or give some things away, give them to your favorite charity, let them use it for maybe some, you know, some, um, just for them to get, make some money so that they can work. Yep. So easy enough. That's a fun thing to do. Just really go around with a, um, you know, t- ob- objective set of eyes rather than subjective. Take the emotion mm-hmm. out of things and whatnot and it'd yeah. be ruthless. Yes. Yes. And create your own signature decorating style. And the reason we say this is because I think so many times people want to put everything into a box. They want to just pick out one decorating style and then make their room fit that particular decorating style. But I think it makes much more sense to kind of let you kind of go through and see all the styles and you pick and choose what works for you and then create your own style. I don't want you to feel... Uh, stuck in a box where you have to go with like mid-century modern, maybe like mid-century modern, but you like French too, and you want to combine them together. I think that makes for a more beautiful, more unique room. So I think that's something that's um, really a value to do. And let's all remember the rule of threes when you're creating vignettes um, on your shelves, on any horizontal surfaces, in your entry table, in the middle of your dining room table. Incorporate the rule of threes, and it's going to be a lot easier to make a lovely vignette, something that makes sense. So three items, varying heights, uh, oftentimes varying textures really is nice when you're doing a vignette like that. And if it, for whatever reason you have a big space, it needs to be bigger, at least stick with an odd number. So I wouldn't get more than maybe five pieces tops, but um, the rule of threes will really help you decorate. And when you, th- you think about it and then you start seeing things in magazines, are out in the world or in shops or things like that, you'll notice that it, for whatever reason, it's very pleasing to the eye. Like this is scientifically proven. It's not just a, a decorating tip off the top of someone's head. It really is true. There's something in the human brain that three items really resonates with us and it is pleasing to the eye. I so agree. I think that's such a great tip to go with three. Sometimes two works a pair, but a lot of times three is a magic number. You know how boring some hallways are? I mean, I think it's easy for them to be very boring because usually they're narrow. You don't have room to put any furniture in there. So there's no soft things. So you don't have room for chairs. You don't have room for pillows or for a lot of times there's no curtain, no window. So you don't have any curtains either. So if you've got a hallway that you feel like is boring, here's a fun thing to do. Paint the walls a bold color or paint the doors a bold, fun color. I think that's a great way to really add some excitement to your house. And uh, yeah, and then it's not a room, so you're not stuck matching that color to all your fabrics and everything. So it doesn't matter if you can't find anything to go with that color. It's the hallway. You don't need to find anything to match it. I like that idea. I always sort of thought of a hallway as uh, the palette cleanser, you know, that mm-hmm. I didn't want to do anything mm-hmm. too crazy in there. And mine is white, which, you know, most of my house is. Uh, but I'm finding myself wanting to do something there. So I think that the step I might take is the doors. Mm, yeah. Not the walls. Because sometimes it's hard to find that stopping point. Exactly. If your hallway going down the yeah. stairs or something like that, oh, you're like, oh, I'd have to drop a little like corner molding or something, and then it becomes a bigger project than you want it to be. So I, I think I'm going to try the door. I think that's a great idea, and I'm with you too. Sometimes there isn't a, a good stop- stopping point. And here's the thing too: it's going to be a lot faster just to paint the doors than to paint the walls. So there's no artwork you have to take down. You don't have to move anything. And, uh, but, but you do have the, the same issue where, where do you stop the color? Yeah. So that's, that's, do you use that same color on the inside? Oh, the you room? mean of the doors? Of the door. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think the, I would just do it on the, on the, the outside. Yeah, yeah. The door, the face of the door facing the hallway. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, um, yeah. To just do the doors. I think that would be great. What's your next one? Use every room in your house regularly. Mm. Now, if you have a big giant house, that might be hard to do, but it's, you know, there's just something not great to have stagnant rooms. Now, you know, of course, if it's a guest room and it's rarely used, you know, I guess you can kind of get away with that. But 
try to make, try to have reasons to go into each room of your house on a regular basis. You know, maybe it is a guest room, but maybe you set up a little desk in there and you do some work in there sometimes. You're rotating around and moving around. Or, you know, if you have a a living room that doesn't get used that much, well, maybe rethink that living room and make it a little more comfortable and make it a little more approachable and start to use it. It's just not good sort of, I don't know, mojo to have rooms in your house that are never used. And, you know, aside from it just being sort of a waste of space that you're cooling or heating and all of these other things, it's a really good idea to have, you know, to imprint the life of your your family on all the spaces that you have in your home. Well, and I think it's so sad to have space in your room, in your house that you're not using. So I think it's a great idea if you find that there's a room in your house that you're not using to think about how you might be able to transform it in a space that you will use. So I, I think that's a great idea. And I'm going to add on to that one and say, if you have a guest room, obviously this is not where you're sleeping, but I think every host should sleep in their guest room maybe once a year or every other year to make sure that it is a nice place for your guests Oh, to that's stay. smart. So we stayed. So I thought we were going to check out our guest room, you know, because I redid the guest apartment. Mm-hmm. So we stayed over here and it was really worthwhile because Kevin said, you know what? we re- You really need some, there's no space to put nightstands on either side of the bed because it's kind of tucked in a corner. He said, you know what? We really need some lamps in here. And I thought, you know what? That's a great idea. So I actually found some at Ikea that I need to go get that are floor lamps that are adjustable that I think I'm going to get for the space. But we wouldn't know that uh, had we not stayed over here. So yeah. Am I feeling another IKEA episode coming on? Well, I, I've got to go back over there. Well, let this. me know. Maybe we'll do a field trip. <laughs> that was was that okay? No, I know Laura was in school, but mm-hmm. I because I remember I was trying to get out of there, and then you know that table I had to take apart and everything that mm-hmm. was so kooky. So if anybody missed that IKEA episode, that is definitely worth listening to. But maybe it was September, so we did that a while ago. Well, and Evie and I actually went to Ikea. I had to go there to get something, and she went with me over the holidays. The lines were crazy, but she had so much fun going in there, and we, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, we needed some towels and some other things. Uh, it was so fun, and we even ate at the restaurant, So, you which I never did. not tell me you did that. Oh, my gosh. How fun. Okay, so maybe we'll have to do that, and I'll finally get that mm-hmm. bag of meatballs that I tried to get last time. <laughs> They'll probably have some good stuff for spring. They had a pretty decent chocolate dessert in their restaurant that was gluten-free. Just going to say that. Wow. Yeah, it's hard to find. So there you go. Good to know. Okay, my uh, I guess that might be this my last tip maybe um, mm-hmm. for today. We can always do another part of these. Switch up your coffee table display regularly. It mm. is a decor hotspot. Um, if you watch my YouTube channel, you know I have a couple of episodes on you know creating these vignettes in various decor hotspots is what I call them in your home. Where it's, So you know there's two or three places that you switch up on a regular basis. They're small, so it's not overwhelming, and you can do it just at a whim or you could do it seasonally. Well, your coffee table is definitely one of those spots. So start with a tray, then incorporate the rules, the rule of threes, create a vignette, maybe a new candle, maybe some flowers. Okay. Well, my last tip is to add texture to the room. So if you have a lot of hard spaces or you don't have texture, that's something good to add. You may already have texture in the room. So that would be baskets, rugs, pillows, you know, fabrics, uh, textiles, anything like that uh, is going to add some texture to the room. I'm thinking about adding some grass cloth. Oh, I'm very excited about it. So we might even need to do a little uh, section of an episode about grass cloth because I am just completely smitten by it. Let's move on to our hot topic. Okay, this is a good one. So the hot topic is about luxury items on Amazon. So the question is, will luxury items work on Amazon? So right now there's some beauty high-end luxury items on Amazon, but if you look around, there's not a lot of high-end home decor on there or other high-end items. Uh, So like if you search for a suit, let's say you search for a suit jacket on Nordstrom's, you're going to get a very different result from what you're going to find if you search on Amazon. You know, because you're going to find something on Amazon that you're not going to want to buy. 
Well, here's the thing, I think, with Amazon and sort mm-hmm. of what I took from that article that you uh, that we were reading about this. Mm-hmm. I think it's time, number one, to rethink Amazon. Sometimes people hear Amazon and they don't like that idea because they think it's something that's definitely coming from overseas. It's um, the cheapest of the cheap. And, um, you know, you're supporting Amazon itself as a company. But I think you need to rethink Amazon in the sense there are a lot of small companies on Amazon now, and a lot of people are trying to break into that marketplace, like even people that had Etsy shops, or we have a friend who sells um, this cookery item, and she's on Amazon. So there are small independent companies there. So that is one thing I would like people to think about with regard mm-hmm. to Amazon. And then specifically, is Amazon a place for luxury items? I don't think has gotten to that point yet, although Mm -hmm. they might have sort of like maybe their entry-level items, like if you sell high-end purses, maybe you'll have your wallet or credit card carrier on Amazon, maybe testing the waters. But I don't think people think of Amazon as a place for luxury items. I don't necessarily know that it ever needs to be or whether people will ever consider it to be a place for that kind of item. I actually saw a couple of ten and twenty thousand dollar Rolex watches on there. See, now I would never in eighty million years <laughs> buy anything that's more than like you know maybe a hundred dollar rug or something. <laughs> I cannot even imagine doing that. Having the confidence to buy something mm. on Amazon that would cost you that amount of money, I don't. Well, that's the point. Are these they're on there? But are, is anyone buying them? And I would have to say probably not, because if you're spending that kind of money on a watch, I would think going to a reputable jewelry store would be a lot safer because individuals can sell on Amazon and you don't really know who you're buying from. And so if the person doesn't have a lot of reviews, uh, you know, it's, it can be quite risky. I mean, it's kind of like buying on eBay or Etsy. It really depends on who's selling the item and uh, how reputable they are. Uh, and but then there's also there's so I think there are going to be more luxury items on there, but probably not the high end. Probably I mean in the article they talked about a five hundred dollar price point where if it's less than five hundred it would probably sell okay, but above five hundred it's probably not going to be where the person wants to buy the item. From Like I see a lot of Kate Spade things on there. Not that that would necessarily be, it's not, you know, it's not the highest end purse you can buy. It's not an Hermes, you know, purse, but uh, you know, it's still a very nice brand and they're, they can be quite expensive. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it really kind of depends, but you know, there's also the issue from the seller, like, is this going to cheapen their brand? And I have a friend uh, who had a business and she was selling, um, some luxury items. And at one point, Costco approached her about selling her items and uh, she wouldn't do it because she felt like it was going to cheapen her brand. I mean, and she had been on Oprah and everything. I mean, it was a, um, she was a legit businesswoman with a really impressive company. But I have to say, if they were different times, it was about 20 years ago. Now, I think if Costco approaches you about selling your item, I don't care how luxury it is. I would accept it now. <laughs> I mean, mm. things have changed a lot. And there's a lot of luxury things that are sold on um, in discount stores. And I don't think it's hurting their cachet at all. I've seen some really high-end items at TJ Maxx purses. You know, $500,000, you know, like Gucci kind of purses. I don't think it's hurting them at all. I don't, I don't know. I think... I think a shopper at TJ Maxx, myself included, like you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's a Burberry purse here. Like, and you, <laughs> I would not think less of Burberry. I would just think I was so lucky and so glad I decided to troll through that day, you know? Because um, I would just think, oh, it exactly. sort of randomly showed up there. But if you have a store, like quote unquote storefront on Amazon and you're Burberry, I think you might be hurting your brand a little bit. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I think, I think that yeah. if you're, if you're going to spend that much money on a luxury item, it's also the whole experience of purchasing it. You know, if I mm-hmm. was going to buy something from Tiffany, I would really want to be in the store and well, I right. want the no, box I think, and I want right, someone right, right. to be really nice to me. And when I buy it and all of that, I don't know that I want to click and get it shipped to me in prime. 
Yeah, well, no, that's a good point. I think there is some dividing line. Um, yeah, so you do want it to feel like a luxury item. But I think more and more, I think there are going to be some luxury items on Amazon. Uh, oh, I 100% agree with you. There definitely mm-hmm. will be. And, you know, as we have said before, and what I started, what I was said in the beginning, like Amazon has changed drastically. Obviously, mm-hmm. it started out, when I think about that company and how it started with him selling books out of his garage, and his pro- wife mm-hmm. is probably like, what? Are you going to sell well, I think books for out of the garage? he made no money. He, well, he didn't even make money for a long time. Well, that's changed. Well, that's changed. But I mean, yeah. I know it's a huge, huge, huge company, but I do, I was like, hey, you know, respect, because that mm-hmm. that was a risk. And then look how far he's taken it. But it definitely, the marketplace has definitely changed. Obviously, it was books. Then it was kind of like books. And, you know, if you needed something very practical, like something, uh, you know. I just bought a spigot for my water dispenser. <laughs> it just came. But that's what people were thinking about. Came today. Didn't right. have to leave the house for it. It's great. Right. But now you can think about it for today. Like, we're always telling people, hey, you can get these great rugs. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, definitely mm-hmm. you want a little a side table. Hey, look on Amazon. So, that has changed, I think, in the last maybe five years where you're seeing things like mm-hmm. that. Right. But because of the algorithm, it's never going to be great as long as they have this algorithm for trendy things because the things that are going to be shown to you if you search for something are, is something that's had great sales or steady sales right. over several years or several months, you know, usually years. That's the right. stuff that's going to be right. shown to you. So if it's something super hot, it's just hot off the press. It's just been out for a few months. It's not even going to show up in your search results probably. Correct. Because of their algorithm. So, you know, it's it's got some difficulties as far as uh, some luxury items that are that are trendy. Good, interesting topic, though. Yeah, so I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, so we'll time will tell on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is your crush for today? Okay, my crush is following Diane Keaton on Instagram. I don't know why I started following Diane Keaton on Instagram. I think it's it um, sort of happened one night. I had a friend over and her daughter, uh, Laura, and I had this woman over and her daughter were really friendly with them. She told us about bumping into Diane Keaton at a restaurant and how nice she was to them. And it was some like small Mexican restaurant. It wasn't like some big fancy schmancy LA restaurant. And then we both looked her up on Instagram and we started following her. It's like following your friend on Instagram. She's so nice and approachable. And then she has all these other famous friends that you'll see like liking her picture and commenting and stuff like that. And you kind of just get swept up into the fun. She's... um. I just think, you know, a great actress. She's clearly an icon, been around a long time, but she is such an absolute real person here on Instagram, sharing all kinds of fun photos and things she just finds funny or, you know, some throwbacks to some of her films and things like that. Oh, it's a bunch of videos. I'm just looking right now. Okay, I just followed her. There. So, I mean, you know, she's not hurting for followers. She has, you know, resilience of them. But I, it is really fun to follow her. And you definitely get swept up in the, you know, sort of the friendship uh, that's going on over on her account. So, highly recommend it. Great. Maybe she'll invite us over, right? Well, you know, she doesn't live that that far from me. I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure it's coming. There you go. I'm I'm sure it is. Now that she sees we're both following her, I'm certain. Oh, well, there you go. It's 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 going to come any day. And you know, she loves uh, transformation of the home as well. You know, she's written several books about that. The house, the house that Pinterest built, is a great book that she wrote. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. Okay, so my crush is a delicious tea. You know, I'm very fussy about my tea. Mm-hmm. And my crush is, you know, I just had some people over for tea and this is the tea that I serve them. In fact, you know, Evie and I go for our birthdays. Once a year, we splurge and go to the St. Regis for afternoon tea. Uh, and this is the tea that they serve because I asked them. And it is the English breakfast tea from Tea Leaves brand. And it's a blend of cumin and Ceylon teas, and it is just right because sometimes some of the teas can be kind of bitter, mm-hmm. but this one is just very subtle, very delicious. But you know, make sure your water is boiling hot for black tea. Seep it for, uh, let it steep for, let it steep for maybe two to three minutes, no more than that. Mm-hmm. For and about a teaspoon for eight ounces of water. Uh, but then once it's sitting there for a while with the loose tea, it is going to become bitter over time. So drink it up really fast. 
or at least pour it up. And it is delicious. We'll include the link, but that is just divine. Yeah, that's good to get tips on teas, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because you see so many at the grocery store, Whole Foods mm-hmm. or at wherever, and it's hard to know. And then you buy a box and you're like, wah. Well, this brand you probably haven't heard of. And the reason you haven't is because their market is selling to high-end hotels like the St. Regis. So. Oh, you're so snazzy, Nita Jane. Well, I find things out. I ask questions. I ask questions. I probe. I go deeper. I want to know the hot topic. <laughs> I want to know. Uh, well... Beth W. wants to know if we have any strict rules about fireplaces and TV placement. Beth has written in to our decorating tips and tricks at Gmail and loving the podcast, having a little trouble figuring out how she can live with her TV in this room where the only logical spot to put it is really over the fireplace. Let me tell you what Beth says. Um, She is not a fan of the TV over the fireplace, but it seems to be the only choice in this living room is to either put the TV over the fireplace or on the opposite wall, which would mean, dun, 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 that they would be sitting with their backs to the fireplace. Mm -hmm. I feel in my back getting way too hot right now, Beth. Uh, (laughs) And the other two walls are full of windows. So she wants to know, do we have any strict rules? And I'm going to say, no, Beth, from where Kelly sits, we don't have any strict rules. It sounds like you don't have any choice other than to put it over the fireplace because having your sofa with the back to the fireplace seems silly. Uh, And then putting a sofa against a window and then a TV in front of us, some windows makes no sense or having to crane your neck around the room to watch the TV makes no sense. So my thought would be um, put that over the fireplace. Maybe if you need to get a new TV, you could look into the ones that project art when it's not a television. And I think those are pretty cool. And you might find something that you really like. And I know you can change the art. Um, They're obviously going to be more expensive than a regular TV, but I bet the prices on those have come down significantly. Another option, and this is also not a low-cost option, but I'm doing this at a client's house right now. There is a lift system that can go into the ceiling. So if you can create a soffit or if you've got some room in the ceiling, the TV can actually go into the ceiling and then just come down on hinges when you want to watch it. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yes. As long as it's not up too high. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. There's just, there's no choice here. You're going to have to put over the fireplace because you don't want a situation where you're facing your back to, where your back is to the fireplace. So I think there are a lot of ways that you can hide it. Kelly, you just covered several really good ideas. I was looking to see if we had an episode on that because I thought we have definitely talked about oh, that. Oh, we've but talked could, about it many times. But I could yeah. not find the actual episode. I just did a search real fast while you were talking. Couldn't find it, but it is in there somewhere. If we find it before this uh, goes out, we'll put the, a link to it. But uh, yeah, you can uh, look on Pinterest to see some ideas. There are, if the TV is small enough, you can have a cabinet. You can buy a cabinet that your TV will fit in or have one made. Um, I had a built-in cabinet put in. Uh, that our TV fits in. So the doors close when we're not watching it. But I'm very fascinated by those TVs where they look like a painting or some scene when they're off. Yeah, I think that would be I think it's super cool. Yeah, I think this question and paint color questions are probably the top two questions that we've gotten over the years and probably Mm -hmm. other bloggers have gotten too. This is a question that comes up over and over again. So we may have just addressed it in various questions throughout the the episodes, but worth revisiting again. And I really, I, I get the sense, Beth, you want us to tell you that it's okay to put it over the fireplace. And it is. In your instance, it is. And I did. It's all right. It's okay. It's not ideal, but you know what? Sometimes you just have to do it. You just have to make the best decision for your situation. And that's what that is. So are we ready to hear the winner of My Creative Space by Donald Ratner, this wonderful book? Wait a minute, wait a minute. There you go. You hear that? And you will win a signed copy, signed by Donald himself, not by me or Anita. And our winner is 
Christina Chesson. Christina! Thanks to everybody who entered. And a few people have asked, could they purchase the book if they weren't the winner? Um, yes, you can. I believe it will be on Amazon. We'll put the link uh, in the show notes to this um, episode, but it may not be out yet. I think the book is actually being released in early March, but we'll keep you updated on that if you, in fact, want to purchase the book. But congratulations to Christina. We'll contact you by email and have the publisher and the author send a copy straight out to your home. Thanks to everybody who has entered, and we hope that we have an opportunity to do more book giveaways as the year goes on. And now... Let's talk about the other really exciting thing that's been going on this past month is Team DTT. So February 14th, Valentine's Day has come and gone. And so team the membership for Team DTT has closed for this round. We have our team and we are so excited. It is a group of the most fabulous ladies. So thank you to each and every one of you who has joined us. We're having a blast over on the Facebook page and we're just getting rolling. Everybody's joined us and we're mixing and mingling over there. So if you didn't have an opportunity to join Team DTT this round, I'm pretty sure we're going to be opening up the membership uh, again during the year of 2020. So keep your eyes open, your ears open for that. And in the meantime, thanks again to everybody who joined. So much fun today. It was fun. I love doing these sort of fast and furious tips. I think it's great. Thanks so much for listening and hanging out with us. And remember, we are here to inspire you to create a beautiful home. Until next time. Design dilemmas, questions, renovations, any project you want to talk about, any room, any space, we are here for you. And we really do enjoy doing these. And I think we've helped people a lot. So if you want to sign up for a consult, head to the link in the show notes. It's decoratingtipsandtricks.com slash consult. We hope to talk to you soon.